Rusty Quill presents. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Not Quite Dead, episode 30, The Body. So, it's been a while, um, should probably check in. If we're doing this properly, it feels important that I'm keeping a record. It's just, um, Nej and I have been pretty busy and honestly, I've not really felt like doing this. I don't know. I started making these recordings as a way to leave something behind when I die. Then I was documenting an experience that I was certain had never been recorded before. Now I'm arguably dead and I'm pretty certain the change has been documented already. So I guess I wasn't sure what the point of this was. But then last week with Tim and everything, I, I've come to the conclusion that there really should be a record of what we're doing here. If we're doing this properly, it's important that we leave some kind of paper trail because that's important. It's not science if you're not recording your work and measuring it. It's not science unless someone can look at your process and have a decent shot at replicating it. It's not even bad science. It's just a mess. Even Bonham and his cronies knew that. So, yeah, there's going to be a record of what I'm doing. Mostly written, but talking aloud, it helps me think a little. In a weird way, I'm right back to where I started too. Thinking about my obituary. Leaving something behind so that someone somewhere knows the real circumstances that led to my death. Casper. Yeah. But if Nej is right, we're risking our necks every single day trying this. My neck feels very at risk, to be honest. Not that I care, particularly. I'm past caring about my own neck. It's the rest of them that matter now. Absurd as it sounds, I don't know. We can't live like this, hiding. It's too easy to kill us off, in the worst ways imaginable. Sustained by human blood or not, we're thinking, feeling beings with needs, with lives, with hopes. These things, they, they matter. They matter on a scale bigger than me, or Nage, or even Cass. 
if I'm to agree with Nej and think we're alive, then I also have to reckon with the fact that we can't live like this. Not anymore. And that's a scary thought because, wow, change, isn't it? Big change, gigantic, reality-bending levels of societal adjustments are required. Imagine it. Vampires, until now, we've been an idea, a horror story at the edge of folklore. Imagine having to tell the world that we're real. We exist. Nesh tells me it hasn't always been like this. He says in the early days of civilization, as we know it, and before, people knew about vampires. We grew up alongside each other as species, not symbiotic, but as predator and prey. When human populations boomed, vampires were boomed too, and the number of humans would fall again. Except at some point, and Nesh can't place when, the way that humans lived changed in such a way that we became less of a pressing threat. Sure, there were stories still, but it changed. The vampires changed too. They weren't sewer-dwelling monsters anymore. They learned to adapt and survive, like urban foxes. They adjusted their hunting patterns and changed to suit their new environments. Like spectres, they haunted drinking halls and bathhouses, picking off those who came alone. They snuck in through windows in the night, or stole kisses from people too senseless to notice the violent, swirling red in their eyes. Hmm. I need to make a note of that. Actually. Our eyes turn red before we feed. How does that work? No pulse, but it seems like blood. I wonder. Ugh. I'm sure there's something about that over there in that mountain of notes. So much time I've spent just trying to motivate myself into sorting through them. I'm half convinced the filing is intentionally awful just to discourage people from going through it. Well, it's working. I'll give them that. I'm regretting not pulling the hard drives out of those computers, but... God, what am I saying? I wouldn't even know how... I wouldn't even know which bit of the inside of those relics was the hard drive anyway, let alone what to do with it once I'd ripped it out. Would it still even work? I haven't got fucking clue, frankly. You know who would know? Grace. She'd know. I bet she'd be able to get me information I could sort through with Control-F instead of just literally looking at every piece of paper ever printed in the entire history of the world. Can you imagine, though? Hi, Grace. I know I've been missing presumed dead for almost an entire year, but can you please help me access the information about secret vampire torture, which I'm sure is stored on these hard drives? Oh, by the way, how's uni going? It's not happening, is it? Oh, God. Tammy as well. She... She'll look totally different. Nearly a teenager. I... She's... Close to the age Grace was when Dad... Hayley better have given them my fucking letter, I swear. I hope they're not still looking for me. Jesus, almost a year. Can you imagine? Awful shit. No need for them to not have that finality, that ending which will make it easier to close the book and move on with their lives, because without it, what could they do except keep looking for me, you know? She better have... She better. In three weeks, it'll be my birthday. Of course, I don't age anymore, so there's no point in celebrating. Nothing worth celebrating has happened since my last birthday anyway. Is that true? Do I think that? I don't know what I think, honestly. What about you, Cass? What do you think?
Yeah. Same as ever then. It's really for you, all of this, you know? All of it. Not that it matters. Funny. I'd been so worried about you seeing me as a corpse that I'd never wondered how I'd feel if we found you as one. Little lamb. I'm so sorry that we didn't get to you in time. Why aren't you rotting, hmm? What's going on with you? Nothing in here about it, you know? I've looked and looked. It seems like they all just... They start to decay, but not you. <laughs> Let's try this again, darling, okay? Right. Mm, it's quite hard to find your veins. Mine are pretty difficult too, unless I'm literally eating when we do it. Our pressure's too low. Should have thought ahead and picked up a blood pressure cuff from that fucking lab before we burnt it down, but, you know, wasn't really thinking ahead, was I? Other things on my mind, but, oh well. I'll get one off Amazon. Pick it up next time we're going to Leeds. How's that? Oh, there. Oh, yeah, there it is. There's your blood. Okay, so first a sharp scratch is coming. Great job. Just, ugh, tastes wrong, wrong. Okay, don't worry, don't worry. We'll do 100 mils of Mr. Sherman in 50 mil doses, right? Okay, oh, sorry about the stethoscope, I know it's cold. I'd be able to hear your heart without it, but just in case, right? I'm gonna inject this slow. I don't know if that would hurt worse or less. Sorry, I should have checked. Though my experience might not be applicable to yours if you're, you know, having an experience. Sorry, I'm waffling. I just, what if you can hear me, you know? I would hate to, yeah, never mind. There we are, dose one is done. I'll just disconnect. Well done, sweetie. Good job, baby. For the next one, we'll just listen a moment. No, nothing. That's okay, baby, you've not done anything wrong. You're doing a wonderful job. Okay, time for dose two, okay? This time I'll go fast, yeah? And starting and done. Oh, I felt a bit of resistance when that, yeah. And no sounds in your chest. That's okay, don't worry. It's okay, you did a good job, Casper baby. Good job. I am talking to you directly. I am trying to make this easier for us and you just lie there and ignore me. <laughs> Fuck. Just wake up, you useless piece of shit. Fuck you, Casper. Fuck. Oh, fuck. Cass, Cassie. Hey, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, sweetheart. I'm sorry. 
Non, Khaled. Circulation, maybe it's better to go fast, but I can feel pressure when I do that, so I want to avoid putting stress on his veins, as I'm assuming they aren't repairing the way they normally would. I should probably. What? If I'm going to keep doing this, I should probably fit in with more long lasting vein access, just in case structural integrity is a problem. 
Are you going to access a vein? Keep doing this. Oh, I... Um, I don't... know. You know my thoughts on this. Yes. And you know I will not push you to do what you are not ready to do, but there are lines I will not allow you to cross, oui? Comprends? Yeah, I... Thank you. For what? Just, you know, checking, making sure I'm not losing my mind with this. Ah, you are thinking about what they did to him again. Worrying that you are just the same. Do you think I'm awful? No. This is born of love and grief. Those scientists felt nothing but contempt and greed. What? Why do you shake your head? Oh, nothing. Oh, I did not mean to make you cry. I am sorry. No, no. Do you, uh... Do you need some of Tim to, like, replenish? We can spare it. I am fine. Are you? Yeah, yeah. You were talking about access points. Oh, um, yeah. So to me, a central line makes most sense. There's some marks. I think they've accessed him there too, but I don't know. To me, central vein access makes the most sense. You deliver blood as close to the heart as possible, right? But he was talking about diffuse stuff with the hemipheresis, so, so maybe I'm wrong. You're not trying to do the same thing that they will. Why prioritise getting close to the heart? <sighs> I don't fully understand the processes yet. But when we feed our hearts beat, it seems from what I've read from Holden Labs that vampires' internal structures are just humans. Maybe a little more fibrous, but unclear. I do know for sure that the heart is involved in the feeding process because it beats when we eat. It's instantaneous. Otherwise, though, our blood is just sort of in us. That's why it feels odd to draw it out. I'm creating a near vacuum in the vein, manually pulling blood forward to fill the space. It's odd. The blood does not clot either doesn't need to. In most scenarios we heal fast enough that it doesn't matter and because it's static all the time, any clotting factor. What is it? Nothing. It's just I need to read more of the fucking paperwork. I've just scanned through them looking for mentions of hemophericis or an explanation of what's going on with Cass. Made an even bigger mess of the order than they were in when we first brought them here. And literally fuck all else. I feel like I've skipped all the groundwork. I don't know the mechanism that the vampire virus or whatever takes over the cells is. Like how are we preserved? Does it replace all of our cells the ways it replaces our teeth? What's happening there? I... Sorry, sorry. If you apologise again, I will break your jaw. You won't. Do not call my bluff, you little shit. Stop apologising. Yeah. Okay. Why are you torturing yourself with this? Me tortured? <laughs> shit. Not what I've done, I've tortured it. Shit, I'm sorry, Cass, I'm sorry. I'm going to go back upstairs. <sighs> yeah. Will you come too? Yeah, in in a bit, yeah. Okay. Okay. All finished now, my love. Let's see if... No, nothing. That's okay. Don't worry. You're not doing anything wrong. It's not your fault. I still love you. You wasted yourself for nothing, but I still love you. I'm going to help you. I promise, I promise. Ugh, all this shite, yeah. Okay, hmm. Oh, okay. Employee records. Helpful. Uh, 
uh, right, so let's, uh, huh. Abbreviated transcripts. I've not looked through this envelope yet, I don't think. This is, these are, Jesus, the vampires they were holding, this is who they were, fuck. There's not one here for you, darling, not that I can see. I suppose Bonham wouldn't need one. Oh. Wait. On the top of this one, someone's written Snowblood. That's Nesh, isn't it? Yeah. Josephine Josie Cartwright, that's the vampire's name. Confirmed information, born Sussex, 1862, onset of type 2, 1881. She was 19. She must have been so scared. She, she doesn't know who turned her. There's a footnote here, group B, mark 26, some kind of classification. Uh, she killed three people right after, and then she was completely horrified by what she'd done. There's something here, like... A transcript, maybe? I remember coming to my senses, but it felt like a dream. All the blood on my hands, on my clothes. I couldn't believe I'd done it. I felt so detached. I was very scared. It's stupid, really. My first thought was to return to my parents. I'd been missing for days, apparently. My father assumed I'd been attacked, that the blood I was covered in was my own, but when my mother bathed me, she found no wounds. The whole time, I was completely numb to it. My father had been about to call the constables, but my mother begged him not to. I wouldn't speak. I couldn't. Mother put me to bed. I heard them talking outside my room about sending me to a hospital. In the morning, my maid, Penny, came in and opened the curtains. Right away, the burning on my skin made me cry out. I hid under the bedclothes. My mother and Penny forced me out, but being in the sun for just a few minutes made me come out in violent blisters. Inside me, too, felt burned. A desperate hunger raging inside of me. Mother called the doctor after that. I remember he pressed the stethoscope to my chest. His eyes went wide. He made me lean forward, listened again at my back. This brought him in close to me. I could hear his heart inside of him, hammering, even as he tried desperately to find any whisper of my own and found none. He pressed me back against my pillows, but I could not move. I was coiled like a spring. He called my name, and the rush of warm breath across my face was too much for me to control. I sprang forward, teeth tearing into his skin, blood slopping in thick gluts from my lips as I drank messily from him. The doctor was so stunned that it took a moment for him to fight me or even cry out. As soon as he did, my mother burst in, no doubt worried he'd found some dreadful sign of sickness in me. I'll never forget her face. Her eyes were wide as she looked at me, the doctor's twitching, rasping corpse in the blood-stained lap of my nightdress. My mother's mouth hung slightly open in a small, round O. She slowly covered it with her hand. I stood up from the bed and turned my back to her. 
She asked very quietly what I had done. As though the doctor was not lying, gargling at the bottom of my mattress, blood bubbling out of his neck, aerated by the choking breaths he was desperately trying to draw. I looked out of the window. It was dusk. I leaped out into the street, jolting my ankle, and ran. I ran and ran and ran. I gasped for air, but it brought no relief. That hunger, sharp and impossible to ignore, was rising in me again already. The smell of them, of the humans, it was everywhere. It was on the wind, it was in the earth. Every way I turned my head, I found a new trail to follow, a new hunt that called to me, even as I tried to root myself in place on the earth. In the midst of that senseless confusion, I fumbled my way down the street. It took every ounce of strength I had not to kill everyone who passed me. If I had not killed the doctor, I don't know how many would have died that night, because looking back, I am now certain that once it had begun, I should not have been able to stop myself. So fierce was the hunger, so bound by a thread was my sanity, that it would have perhaps been a pit I'd never have seen myself clawed out of. Eventually I came across an old house which looked uninhabited. The windows were boarded, the door nails shut. I fought my way inside and curled by the dripping wet hearth and lay as still as I could manage, willing in no small part for my own demise. Death did not come for me that night, though, nor on the many nights that followed. I lay and the hunger in me grew fiercer and I grew weaker and weaker in my attempts to fight it. My mind became cloudier and cloudier, to such a degree that I don't even remember how it felt when I snapped. Only the moments after the hunger was finally near sated and I stood at the dinner table of a family whose still warm corpses lay sprawled atop their tipped over chairs. One maid remained, her apron splattered with the blood of her employers. How I must have looked to her in my filthy nightgown, my eyes as red as the blood on my hands and chin, viscera falling from my fingernails. I don't know what came over me, looking at her cowering face. I drew myself straight up and commanded her draw me a bath, which she did. I soaked in it, washed the blood out of my hair, and afterwards the maid brought my towels. She was crying, sniffling, but her expression was fixed into a careful smile. I stood up from the bloody bath water. It dripped onto the wooden floor. I left pale copper-pink stains on the starched white tiles. I dismissed the maid. I wonder what happened to her, for I did not see her again, but she also did not send the police. The murdered family I took down into their cellar. I had an awareness of who they were, sent some notes out to their friends that they had been called to Italy to visit a sickly relative. Nobody would question it, not for some months. It took some weeks to figure out how I would present myself, how I might conduct my way in society. The daylight stung my eyes and burned my skin, I learned this quickly, so it was easier to hunt at night. Fortunately, London came alive after dark. I would go to operas and the theatre, and I would follow men from the doors of brothels and opium dens and steal them down alleyways as they stumbled home to their wives. It was months before I met another vampire. The first one I saw was a woman, Rosalind, like Romeo's forgotten lover. She seems to prefer Ross these days. Ross. I wonder if that's like Happenings, Ross. Roz was working as a madame at the time and had a troop of 15 or so human girls she protected and paid well for their services. They were reliable and discreet. Her house had a fabulous reputation for its security and would often attract noble clientele. 
this was what Roz reveled in. She enjoyed the principle that she had some influence over them, the humans, in the human world. Her maker had taught her that humanity was a lesser thing, that vampires were more evolved. She had been raised with many siblings. They all seemed to have suffered horrible deaths, and Roz was disillusioned, distrustful of other vampires, so she seemed to take a shine to me. I would often call in on Roz at the end of the night. We spent some dawns together in her velvet rooms, hidden away in the dark safety of her curtained chambers. I loved spending time with Roz. She had so much knowledge about things I'd never even thought about when I was human. She knew about law and politics and philosophy. She even talked about art in a different way than I'd ever known how to. Paintings and music, which had seemed dull to me before, took on a new life with her insights. I found myself stopping and noticing architecture, and when I went to the opera, I felt myself reflecting on the relationship between the melodies and the words. One such morning spent with Roz, I was full of the blood of cheating men, and Roz was telling me about the human government's many intricacies, and there was a knock at the door. One of Roz's girls had answered, but they'd come to Roz in fear and upset. Roz went out into the bar, though the curtains were thinner and it must have stung to stand out there. I sat and watched through a crack in the door. Above the smell of the humans who had come and gone the night before, of the alcohol and tobacco and opium, I could smell an extremely singular smell. There were notes of it which seemed familiar to me. Something of him smelled of something that was in Rosalind, too. But whatever he was, whatever flowed in his veins, it was different, sharper, brighter. I barely saw him. Just a glimpse, really. A small man with hair like pale gold that hung in knots and waves about his face, as though it had been a long time since he'd had a chance to tend to it, though there was a neatness to the cut which suggested that he usually did. His posture suggested an ease and nonchalance that the tone of his voice did not. He spoke to Roz in rapid French, which I barely understood. Roz explained later that the dialect they spoke in was the one that Roz had used when she was human and was now mostly defunct, with only a few words left borrowed here and there in modern French. As he left, he spotted me in the gap of the doorway. I hadn't considered until that moment that if I was able to smell him with his peculiar, icily-scented blood, he would have been able to smell me too, would have known that I was there throughout the conversation, just as I had known about his presence too. His eyes were blue, wide, his expression profoundly neutral. I asked Roz what he had come to ask her about, but she would not explain, and I hardly had a chance to press her for more answers, because within a month after the winter one's visit, Roz was gone, without a word of explanation. God, I'm being ridiculous. I need to go to bed. Good night, lovely creature. I'll try this again tomorrow. international license if you like the show you can support us on patreon.com forward slash hanging studios and get early access to new episodes live laugh bite
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.